Hello and welcome to the Gibson Perkins Income and Estate Tax Podcast for June of 2021. During the next 12 minutes, we will bring you up to date on the major income and estate tax developments which occurred during the past. First up, by reason of the Department of Treasury issuing what is often referred to as the Green Book, more detailed information concerning the Biden administration tax proposals for fiscal year 2022 became available. As we have discussed previously, the corporate income tax rate applicable to C-corporations would be increased under the Biden plan to 28% from its current 21%, and a 15% minimum tax on book earnings of large corporations would also be added. On the positive side, a 10% tax credit is proposed as an incentive for locating jobs and business activity in the U.S., and tax deductions would be disallowed for expenses incurred in connection with moving jobs overseas. There are also provisions targeted toward the energy sector, including the elimination of tax incentives for the oil and gas industry. Conversely, expansion of tax incentives that encourage clean energy sources, energy efficiency, carbon sequestration, and ownership of electric vehicles is also in the plan. Additional provisions designed to support housing and infrastructure include expansion of the low-income housing tax credit and the addition of a new neighborhood homes investment tax credit. And finally, the Section 45D New Markets Tax Credit is made permanent. On the individual side, as discussed in previous podcasts, the top marginal tax rate for individuals would increase from 37% to 39.6%. What's new is the levels of taxable income at which the 39.6 rate would apply. The Green Book specifies that the 39.6% rate would apply at $452,700 of taxable income for single taxpayers and $509,600 for married taxpayers filing jointly. Another proposal that has caused some attention is the taxation of long-term capital gains and qualified dividends of individual taxpayers. For individual taxpayers with adjusted gross incomes over $1 million, the ordinary income tax rates of 39.6 would apply. In cases where the net investment income tax applies, the rate would be 43.8%. This proposal, if adopted, would be effective for gains required to be recognized after the date of the announcement. That date appears to be April 28, 2021, the date the administration first detailed this proposal. Another controversial proposal is the elimination of basis step-up at death and the taxation of unrealized capital gain. Under current law, the recipients of inherited property receive a step-up in basis in that property to fair market value at the date of death. The Biden plan calls for the end of step-up in basis for many wealthy individuals and imposes, with certain exceptions, capital gain tax on property transferred by gift and on property owned at death. Under the proposal, transfers of appreciated property by gift or at death are treated as realization events. As a result, the donor or deceased donor of an appreciated asset would realize a capital gain at the time of the transfer. The amount of the gain realized would be the excess of the asset's fair market value on the date of the gift or transfer over the donor's basis in that asset. The proposal would allow a $1 million per-person non-recognition exclusion, and certain exceptions would apply, including for transfers to charity, transfers of small business stock, and the transfer of a principal residence. 
Finally, the Green Book includes funding to improve tax compliance and administration by providing the IRS with additional resources and access to information. In other developments in May, the SBA announced the closure of the Paycheck Protection Program. Under that program, over 8.5 million employers receive PPP loans to cover payroll costs and non-payroll costs such as rent, mortgage interest, and utilities. In regard to other proposed legislation, on May 5th, the House Ways and Means Committee voted unanimously to send the bipartisan Securing a Strong Retirement Act, sometimes referred to as Secure Act 2.0, to the full House for consideration. The goal of the bill is to increase retirement savings and simplify and clarify retirement plan rules, among other considerations. The bill builds on the SECURE Act signed into law in December of 2019, which was designed to improve retirement saving opportunities. Highlights of the new bill include requiring 401k and 401b plans to automatically enroll participants in the plan upon their becoming eligible to participate. Although employees may opt out of the coverage, each employee would automatically contribute at least 3% of compensation, but no more than 10% of compensation as decided by the employer unless the employee chooses to contribute another amount or none at all. In each year thereafter, the amount the employee automatically contributes would be increased by one percentage point until it reaches at least 10%, but not more than 15% of compensation unless the participant specifically elects not to have such contributions made or to have such contributions made at a different percentage. All current 401k and 403b plans would be subject to the rules. There would be exceptions, however, for new businesses and certain small businesses. The bill also includes higher catch-up limits, which would apply at age 62 through 64, and an increase in the age for the required beginning date for mandatory distributions to age 73 starting in January of 2022, 74 starting in January of 2029, and to 75 in January of 2032. The bill also provides for a penalty-free withdrawal from retirement plans for individuals in the case of domestic abuse. Finally, the bill would allow simple IRAs to accept Roth contributions and also would allow employers to offer employees the ability to treat employee and employer SEP contributions in whole or in part as Roth contributions. Taking a look at some of the more important tax cases decided in May, the tax court in De Los Santos 156 TC number 9 ruled on the tax treatment of the economic benefit an S corporation shareholder slash employee realized from the firm's payment of premiums under a split-dollar life insurance arrangement. In 2018, the Sixth Circuit held that those economic benefits are shareholder distributions. This decision reversed the tax court, which treated the benefits as employee compensation. The IRS non-acquiesced to the decision in that case. The tax court in De Los Santos held that the benefits of a split-dollar life insurance arrangement were taxed to the shareholder as ordinary compensation. The tax court found that the shareholder received the benefits as an employee 
and not as a shareholder. Therefore, the benefits were not a distribution by a corporation to a shareholder with respect to its stock. In CIC Services, the Supreme Court decided that a taxpayer can challenge IRS guidance on microcaptive insurance schemes. In 2016, the IRS issued Notice 2016-66, which labeled abusive microcaptive insurance schemes as transactions of interest and required taxpayers and material advisors to disclose those schemes to the IRS or face penalties. An advisor filed suit asserting the notice was invalid. A lower court tossed the case saying that a federal law that bars taxpayers from challenging taxes in court before they are applied applies to the threat of penalties in the notice. The Supreme Court has now reversed, allowing the lawsuit to go forward on its merit. In a memorandum decision, the tax court held that businesses without gross receipts cannot deduct cost of goods sold. An oil and gas company claimed estimated drilling costs as cost of goods sold on its 2008 and 2009 tax returns. The firm did not allow any drilling in those years, nor did it have any gross receipts attributable to the sale of natural gas. The company argued it could take the deduction because it assumed the obligation to drill a well. The tax court disagreed, saying that to recover cost of goods sold, a taxpayer generally must have gross receipts from the sale of goods to offset. In another case involving the estate of Michael Jackson, the tax court resolved a valuation dispute 12 years after the singer's death. The estate and the IRS disagreed regarding the fair market value of three assets held by the estate, including Jackson's image and likeness and his interest in two trusts, which held interests in Sony-slash-ATV Music Publishing and a music publishing catalog that owned the copyrights to compositions that Jackson wrote or co-wrote. For the trader business exception, the regulations provide that the dividend income must be derived from a trader business conducted either directly by the taxpayer or through a pass-through entity, such as a partnership or S-corporation, owned at least in part by the taxpayer. According to Chief Counsel, being a shareholder in a C-Corporation in and of itself is not a qualifying trader business even when the C-Corporation is closely held. The IRS issued in May a new version of Publication 5520 how businesses determine if a worker is an employee or independent contractor. The one-page document explains three main categories of control in a Chief Counsel Advice 2021-8009, the IRS has held that a taxpayer was subject to the net investment income tax on dividends received from a closely corporation, of which he was both a majority shareholder and an employee. The taxpayer argued that because he materially participated in the manufacturing trader business of the corporation as an employee, the dividend income he received from the corporation was not subject to net investment income tax. Because the dividend income was derived in the ordinary course of a trader business that was not a passive activity with respect to him. The IRS held that dividend income received by an individual shareholder from a C corporation in which the shareholder is an employee is subject to the net investment income tax. To qualify for the trader business exception, the regulations provide 
that the dividend income must be derived from a trader business conducted either directly by the taxpayer or through a pass-through entity such as a partnership or S-corporation owned at least in part by the taxpayer. According to Chief Counsel, being a shareholder in a C-corporation in and of itself is not a qualifying trader business even when the C-corporation is closely held. The IRS has issued a May 2021 version of Publication 5520. The one-page document explains that there are three main categories of concern in making the determination. Behavioral control, financial control, and the relationship between the employer and the worker. In the area of behavior control, the business should look at whether it controls the work or if the worker has the right to control how he or she does their job. When evaluating financial control, the business needs to analyze whether it has the right to control the economic aspects of the worker's job. And finally, in analyzing the relationship between the worker and the employer, the question to consider is how the worker and the business see their relationship with each other. Some of the factors to consider include, is there a written contract? Does the worker receive any employee benefits? The permanency of the relationship? And are the services provided by the worker key to the business? IRS Form SS-8, Determination of Worker Status for Purposes of Federal Employment Taxes and Income Tax Withholding, is also designed to help employers determine the status of their workers. In local taxation, Philadelphia has updated its guidance in regard to the extent to which a non-resident employee's compensation is treated as compensation for services performed in Philadelphia and thus subject to the Philadelphia wage tax. For employers who have a policy consistent with Philadelphia's current guidance that all employees who are able to work from home are required to do so, but allow access only if employees prearranged to come to the Philadelphia workplace provided they pass a health assessment. The guidance provides that the wages of the non-resident employee are subject to the wage tax only with respect to the days that they have passed the health assessment and spent the day working at the Philadelphia workplace. That concludes Gibson Perkins Income and Estate Tax Podcast for June of 2021. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and see you in July.